If you were here with us for Mother's Day, uh, you may remember that, uh, that I did a, a list of things that your mother would not have said to you. It was kind of a fun, it was the top 10 or 11 things that we probably never heard our mother say to us. Well, in that vein, um, we this week came across this wonderful Father's Day video that has that same kind of theme. So we thought, just to have a little fun this morning, enjoy this time together, we would share that video with you. So I think this is titled roughly, Things um, Your Father Would Not Have Said to You. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow, and you've known about it for four weeks, and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. <laughs> yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. Uh, we thought you might like that as a way just to enjoy this Father's Day. I I had a few of you ask me this morning, did my family wake up and make me breakfast this morning for Father's Day? <laughs> you could have stopped with, did my family wake up? Um, they'll, uh, they'll be here a little bit later, but no, nobody was stirring. Well, that's not true. Tony was waking up as I was leaving. So, um, but I hope it is a good Father's Day. I did have, this was just too good to, to let pass. Um, few of the, the young people that were here to, that are here this morning, one of which came up to me this morning and wished me a happy Father's Day and gave me a hug. It was so sweet. And she said very, very sincerely, she's like, you're like a special grandpa to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my kids would say. Um, but I hope it is, you know, a good, a good Father's Day for you. Uh, we're going to uh, to turn this morning to First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. We begin, we finish, I should say, this uh, three-part series that that I have titled "Mouth Meets Soap," and there are things that we just shouldn't say, not because they're vulgar, not because they're crass, not because they're offensive, but because they're um, not true. They're not who we are. It's not who God is. So we're going to talk about the, our third phrase this morning, and to do so, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the first 11 verses. Uh, again, for, for some of you, these are really, really familiar words. These are common um, words that we quote and talk about in the church that Paul writes uh, there to the church in Corinth. And this is what we hear. This is what the Lord speaks to us today. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but... In all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another, the interpretation of the tongues. All these things are at work by the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, we quit, we, we cut, and I unintentionally cut the scripture there. I want to go on for a few more verses. Just as one body, though one has many parts, but in all the many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews nor Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of not one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a foot, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be the weakest are indispensable. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord God, help us to, to have open ears, open hearts, open spirits to your word, your challenge, your message, your voice today as you speak into our lives. And we pray that we would be obedient and that through your Holy Spirit, you would do with us what you will. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So thinking about Father's Day, thinking about the, the role of fathers and mothers and, and parents and guardians and, and anybody who's um, invested in the life, 
of young people at any age, but certainly um, from, from birth, recognize that, that part of the, the challenge, um, the <coughs> responsibility, is to invest in young people in such a way that they mature appropriately. They grow, they develop. And, and there are stages of growth and development. But one of those stages that I was reflecting on this week is the, um, the, the me stage. It starts relatively young, maybe age two, age three, age four. And, and not me stage in a selfish way, but it's that stage of growth when, when little ones begin to take ownership for their, for, for their doing. And it's often um, encased in the phrase, I do it myself. <laughs> I do it myself. We want little ones to grow into the I do it myself stage. Nobody expects <coughs> us short of, you know, unfortunate circumstances, emotional or physical or, or, or um, in, um, developmental issues. You know, you don't expect to see a parent um, spoon feeding uh, a 16 year old. You know, if Ryan came in this morning, my son, who is 17, before worship, and he said, here, Dad, my shoe's untied, please tie it, besides the fact I would laugh at him, um, you would look and think, well, there's, there's some stage of growth that has been skipped here. You know, <laughs> by 17, he ought to be doing this on his own. We want to see children grow into that, and so that I do it myself stage happens when, when little ones begin to learn to feed themselves or to, to tie their shoes, or to pick out their own clothes, which is always fun to watch. Um, and, and it develops. We, we expect, it, it's that fierce independence, that, that mentality, I don't need you to do it for me. I can do it all by myself. I don't need anyone else. And that certainly is a, an appropriate development. We want that. But then at some point, we also begin, especially in the church, to try to mitigate that a little bit, to try to counter that message and to re-instill a value that sometimes gets lost in development. And that is, there are many things that you can do by yourself. There are many things that require fierce independence, but we need each other as well. We, we need each other. I was thinking about one of the things that they do, our, our, our youth and, and children, our older children, will be going to camp in a few weeks. Uh, Methodist Youth Camp at, at Leesburg, which many of you have faithfully supported for these months in the fundraising. And one of the things that the middle schoolers do, and I think the elementary age as well, um, they take them out and they do what's called a low ropes course. Some of you may be familiar with a low ropes course. But there are obstacles and challenges that, as a team, their small groups are challenged to compete, and um, not compete, but to finish together. Uh, getting from platforms to platforms or navigating. Uh, sometimes they can be um, um, like tight wires and things and, and moving from obstacle to obstacle. But the thing about a low ropes course is they're designed largely that you can't do them by yourself. You can't go by yourself to a low ropes course and do most of the challenges because they require a team. 
They require people working together. They require coordinated effort. They require dependence on each other. There's, 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 for an example, there's one, it's a, they're tight ropes, tight wires that are fastened to three trees. And they kind of move in a, in a triangle shape, widening out. And the idea is you want to see if, as, as in, if you can navigate all the way down the wire. But you have to have a partner on the other end. You have to depend on someone else because as the wires get further apart, you've got to lean into each other. And, and there's a number of these kind of obstacles. I know um, Gareth has done it at camp. Did you guys do? do you didn't do that yet. So you'll do it this year then because you'll be in the middle school camp. So, so those, but anyway, the idea is it begins to reinstill a value that too easily gets lost in us. In a, a worldview, when we celebrate independence, we celebrate um, you know, picking yourself up by the bootstraps and, and controlling your own destiny and, and that rugged individualism. And I'm not saying any of those things in and of themselves are wrong, but, but the pendulum sometimes can swing so far that, that we forget that we absolutely were created for community. We're created for relations. We are created by a triune God who in himself is relational, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're created in that image. We're, we're created for relationship. We absolutely are. And so, so what's the phrase that we need to be aware of? What's the phrase that we need to wash out of our mouth, if you will? It is this mentality that I can do it by myself. That I don't need anyone else. And that begins to invade our sense of spirituality sometimes. I heard, a, I heard a preacher say that you can't do Christianity by yourself. You can't be a Christian by yourself. Now, that'll rankle a few feathers. And that would be an interesting thing for us to discuss. And I'm not trying necessarily to, to offend anyone. But, but the message of the Gospels, the message of the Scripture, is always faith lived out in community. The Old Testament and the New. It's always faith lived out in community. God called a people to be his people. You will be my people. I will be your God. That's the story of the Israelites, the story of the offspring of Abraham, his people that will outnumber the stars in the skies. And when Jesus began to spread the gospel, what does he do? He gathers a group, disciples and others, who became a community of faith and faithfulness and who are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Acts continues the story of the church. The church not as institution, the church not as building, the church not as location, but the church as a group of people that depend on each other so that they can together share the good news of Jesus Christ. There's just no biblical evidence for a mentality that I can separate and do Christianity all by myself. Now there are moments we withdraw but I'm talking about this idea that we don't need other people. And that's what Paul is at the core of what Paul's writing to the church in Corinth in this very famous 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He's, he's dealing with a fractured church. He's dealing with a church that isn't getting along very well. I know that never happens in real life, but pretend. Um, and he's dealing with this mentality in which Christians are, are, are they're creating a hierarchy of gifts. They're, cre they're creating this, this idea that there are some gifts that are more important than others, there are some talents that are more important than others, and not only are they creating a, a status, if you will, but those who are at the top of the, the ladder that have the, the, the top status are, are 
permeating this mentality that we don't even need the people that have the, the lesser gifts. That we can do, and, and I, I've got the kind of gifts that I don't basically need you. So I, because I can do what I can do, I don't need what you can do. And Paul says, no way. Paul says that's not what the church is. That's not who we are. Every gift is indispensable. Every gift is important. And he uses this image of the body to communicate the fact that we do need each other and every part is indispensable. Every part is important. Every part contributes. Every part makes us who we are. And it reiterates, we are created for relationships. We are absolutely, and we know this, and, and we experience it differently, but it's true. I, I came across a poem. It's a silly little poem, but it's, it's fun, and I liked it, and I thought it kind of communicated a profound truth in a very simple way. Now, you're not going to read this poem in any great um, catalogs of, of poetry or literature, but it goes like this. Dick needs Jane. And Jack needs Jill. And Tom is Jerry's chum. Need we mention Mutt and Jeff and Tweedles, Dee and Dumb? Sherlock Holmes and Watson were as thick as any thieves. And don't forget that Adam was a bosom friend of Eve's. Like ham and eggs and curds and whey, good friends go well together. Their salt and pepper, fish and chips, and stars and stripes forever. Yes, friendship is a fact of life. From Shreveport to Shanghai, as Orville said to Wilbur, it's the only way to fly. <laughs> Relationships, community, indispensable parts of the body, you know, no matter what part you are without the others, um, you're weakened. The strongest muscle in the body is nothing without the bones, without the, the nervous system, without all those parts. So, so why does Paul use this image for the church? Why is it so important? And there's, there's a number of reasons that's true, but, but there's a couple that I want to highlight this morning. In 19... Oh, geez, I'm forgetting the year. I apologize. Oh, in two, I think it was... Two, no, actually, in 19... I think it was about 2002, 2004. There was a mining accident in Pennsylvania. Um, Kew Creek Mine. Uh, was flooded. Nine miners um, were trapped about 240 feet below the surface of the earth. Um, they were trapped in the mine. They were eventually rescued. All nine were rescued and saved. In the aftermath and the account, and, and quite in the surprise that they were able to rescue all nine of them, that none perished, um, they kind of asked them how they survived. And, and what they said is that we banded together. And we tied ourselves together. And when somebody got tired, the others kept them up. When somebody started to fatigue out, the others kept their head. Basically, we made sure no one went under. And the quote was, we kept each other afloat. We kept each other afloat. And I thought about that quote, and I thought, that's a wonderful image for what the church does for each other. What we do for each other. When we're at our best, we keep each other afloat. Because there are moments in all of our lives when we need somebody else, we need others to lift us up. There are moments in our lives when we need others to be our strength when ours isn't there. It's just an inevitable experience of life. Not a desired experience, but it's true. We need, at, at our best, as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, Paul says in Hebrews, do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some. But why? You meet together so that you encourage one another. 
that you can support one, you can spur each other to good deeds, but that you can keep each other afloat if I can interject for Paul, which Paul does not need me to do, but, um, but we keep each other afloat. This past week, uh, I was at annual conference in, in Orlando, and if you're Methodist and that's your background, you know annual conference happens every year. It's when the churches come together and some of the business of the conference is done and, and worship is done. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really good things that happen around annual conference when these churches and pastors and leaders from the state of Florida largely come together. I want to tell you what conference is so important to me, what I love about conference. And it's not anything that happens on the official agenda, even though there's a lot of great things that happen on the official agenda. But annual conference is a time, one of the, the two or three times in the course of a year when I get together with Mark and with Tim and with Mark. Now those names mean nothing to you. I wouldn't expect <coughs> them to. But let me tell you who Mark, Tim, and Mark are. Mark, Tim, and Mark um, were friends of mine in college. We met as, as students at Florida Southern College in the early 90s. We were and are fraternity brothers from Florida Southern College. Mark and Tim and I, three of the four of us, then went to Duke Divinity School together. And we would occasionally road trip to Atlanta to Candler School of Theology, where the fourth wheel was in this equation. And we all came back into ministry in the Florida Annual Conference. We've all served churches for the same number of years. And we are what you would call a covenant group. But what we are more than anything is we're brothers. We're, we're friends. We, we are, we're close. And those are the, the guys that keep me afloat. That's what annual conference is so valuable for me because I get to spend time with those guys who at times in my life have been my support system. At times in my life um, that I, I, when, when I was in Israel, is a story, it's kind of hard for me to tell, but, but when I was in Israel um, as a college student, it was in the final days of my mom's life, and I remember, and I've told, taking communion um, in, at the garden tomb there in Israel. Some of you may be familiar. And as I did, I started to weep because I knew you know, where, my, where my mom was and, and what I was going back to. And Mark and Tim were there. Nobody knew why. They, they, would, they probably thought it was overcome by the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but those were the guys that just came and they just put an arm around me. Didn't say a word. Didn't have to. Because they kept me afloat. Now, now why am I sharing this with you? We need people in our lives. And the church is meant to be that for each other. People that keep us afloat. That can be there and that we can be for others. And I would hope and believe that they would tell you there have been times in their lives when I've played that role for them. The kind of friends that I can call at 2 a.m. if I needed to, and when they cleared their head, um, they'd be there for me. But we need those kind of relationships. We keep each other afloat, and that permeates into the church. And there are other people in my life, and some of you that have played that role for me at various points. We need to be that. So we keep each other afloat. So that's part of what God gives us the church for, to be that for each other. So we keep it afloat. But then here's the other thing. Together, we shine God's light. Together, we shine God's light. We live in a dark world. We, 
we, we see it on a weekly basis. I mean, I, I, I get, and I've said to you before, sometimes I stand before you on Sundays in light of, of things like what happened in, in Paris months ago or Orlando this past week or, or Sandy Hook or all these places we could name around the world. And, and I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. I've run out of ways to describe the hurt and the fear and the, the heartbreak that we see. There's, a, there's a, a real feeling of darkness. But we're called to be the light of Christ. And we shine that light so much brighter together than we could on our own. It's like a Christmas Eve candlelight service. Probably all of you have been to a Christmas Eve candlelight service somewhere. But I love to watch what happens as the light begins to pass around the room. Because when the lights go down and we start that candlelight service, a few candles are lit and there's a small, there's a little glow. But as the lights get passed, as the body begins to shine together, the whole room starts to glow because we shine so much brighter together. And that's what we're called to be, to, to be the city on the hill, the light that is not hidden under the bushel, to share and to shine the light of Jesus. This week at Vacation Bible School, I loved, I float around. I am so non-essential to Vacation Bible School. <laughs> you ask Ethel, how important is Chris to Vacation Bible School? And she'll tell you, he's here. You know, that's, Tony is the essential piece to Vacation Bible School because she's one of the um, upfront leaders. But, but I just kind of am here. And I just help out where it needs to be helped out and, and just float. But I get to watch. And I get to watch a group of, of adults. So the kids are great, and I watch them, but I love to watch the volunteers. Different gifts, different talents, um, different um, uh, abilities that are brought in. And I get to watch this group of volunteers take these and bring them together and shine the light of Jesus to a building full of kids. And it is beautiful. And as I said, it's chaotic, and it's messy, and it's all of those things, and it's great. Because that's what the church is called to be. That's who we're called to be. We shine so much brighter together because we need each other. Because we all bring something to the table. We all bring something valuable, indispensable to the body. And we can't be who we're called to be without each other. And yeah, sometimes it's hard. We don't always get along. We don't always agree. We don't always um, behave in the grace and the love of Christ that we're called to but we never don't need each other. We never are at that place where we can say faithfully, I can do it by myself. Because Paul says we're a body, and together every part is indispensable. So brothers and sisters, I hope that we can be that together, that we can keep each other afloat, that we can sustain, love, support, strengthen, keep each other up, but that together we can bring our gifts and our talents and we can shine bright. And that we can overcome any kind of mindset that thinks we don't need each other. Because it's just not faithful. It's just not true. We all are indispensable parts of the body. We all bring something. And together we sustain each other and we shine bright with the light of Christ. So, I don't need you. I can do it myself. No, not here. Not to be who we're called to be. Together we are so much more. Let's shine bright together. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you um, for the abundance of the gifts that you've poured into your people, to each of us, for who we are and who we are called to be. 
and for what we are capable of together to live and to shine the light of Christ. We fall short. We fail too often to be that unified body in Jesus. But you don't give up on us. Help us not to give up on us and to continue to strive to grow together, to love together, and to share Jesus together. We pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen.